Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Text Expander, LinkedIn, Coda.io, and Clean My Mac X. I'm four sponsors. You four can't do of that them. many. You can't. That breaks the laws of the universe, Simone. You're strong, Brianna. Okay. Okay. Strong and independent podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Simone Rochefort, supervising video producer at Polygon, and I'm here with Brianna Wu, executive director of Rebellion Pack. And we have a packed and exciting and ethically complex show for you today. It is ethically complex. Uh, We should note that Christina is off fighting crime this week. Uh, She is going after the Joker uh, and we're we're wishing her the best. I think she's going to do it. Do you think she's finally going to get him? I, I think so. I think the biggest problem with Christina is she doesn't drive, so she can't have like a Christina mobile, which would really aid her in that quest. If only she had a level two autonomous vehicle, <laughs> am I right? But that's not a topic for right now. First, let's dip into uh, a little bit of the cryptopocalypse, cryptopocalypse. Crypto, crypto, cryptocalypse. We as a society are not quite sure what the term is. Uh, But the cryptocalypse continues this week. Unfortunately, on June 14th, Coinbase laid off 18% of its employees, some 1,100 people. Uh, Their CEO, Brian Armstrong, said that this was in preparation for a quote unquote crypto winter alongside a coming slash here U.S. recession. Um, importantly, this isn't the first called crypto winter that Armstrong is conceiving of. Uh, he expressed that what he was seeing was similar to past downswings in crypto, uh, with trading revenue being down. Uh, he also admitted, according to NPR, that Coinbase did grow too quickly. And as we covered on this show, Coinbase was the first like big crypto related company to go public, uh, last year. And ever since things have been really up and down, um, not just within Coinbase, but, you know, that was, around the time of the big crypto high of 2021 and things have been kind of wild since then uh speaking of wild the layoffs were apparently very chaotic uh with employees simply getting locked out of their company email which is not the best practice i believe for laying people off um I'm really shocked that Brian Armstrong, Mr. Mission Focused, uh, chose that path to lay people off. The guy that uh, just said, we're going to have no politics at our company, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear this diversity stuff that, you know, for, for layoffs, it's just like lock the door and don't let you in. It just seems very surprising. Is he the one that said that? Oh, my yeah. goodness. Um, yeah. So this is not the only incident of of its ilk this year, uh, so even this week, rather, uh, BlockFi and Crypto.com have also had recent layoffs. Uh, and crypto in general, like I said, is way down from its 2021 peak. Uh, there have been a few- Just a little bit yeah, more bad news on that front. Uh, so Bitcoin dipped uh, below uh, 21,000 today. Just to put that into context, um, you know, that's all high of uh, 50,000 you know, I believe within this year. So uh, that's a huge drop off. Uh, You know, additionally, you had uh, Celsius. Celsius is kind of a cryptocurrency bank. Uh, They literally froze all withdrawals. uh, So you can't get your money out at all. Uh, You obviously have the Coinbase uh, situation. It's just, it's, it's frankly a bloodbath across the entire industry. 
Yeah, it seems very, very bad, especially like in the places where it is overlapping with traditional currency, mm-hmm. um, which is still currently, I think, what what people like to do with with Bitcoin is somehow see a more traditional profit off of it at some point, at least other than, you know, hiding your own money. Um a few other kind of uh, tangential incidents happening around the same time. BlockFi has been fined by Iowa regulators for offering unregistered securities, which is something that we've talked about a few times on this show is like, are, is Bitcoin a security um, or is cryptocurrency rather a security? Uh, and the SEC is reportedly investigating insider trading uh, within crypto exchanges. So there's kind of a few things going on other than the general devaluation of crypto. That is being seen as part of this crypto yeah. winter. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, hundred percent. I think that's why it was such a it was such a shock to see uh, you know Kristen Gillibrand come forward uh, this week do a press conference <laughs> encouraging retirees to put part of their retirement. Why savings would Why would she do this? Into crypto. Literally, you know, explain it to me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure that she's just talking to the wrong people, you know, uh, uh, I, I'm going to choose to believe it's ignorance rather than malice, but I think it's, it's clearly a very, 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 very bad look. I mean, your own mayor, Eric Adams is very into crypto. It, I don't have to tell you. <laughs> yeah. So, listeners, if you're you not know, keeping up with New York's mayoral situation, uh, when Eric Adams, our most recent mayor who i resent came into office he famously <laughs> said i'm gonna take i i think is i don't remember if it's part of his paycheck or all of his paycheck all in of crypto, his paycheck all of his paycheck in cryptocurrency and yep. so of course new yorkers are eagerly watching uh, our mayor's paycheck get smaller and smaller <laughs> as he continues to give money to the nypd and cut funding for our public pools uh all things that we just simply love <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I think. Uh, Politicians shouldn't be giving financial advice to people. Uh, And I say that as a podcast host. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's probably a a good suggestion. And, uh, you know, the thing with cryptocurrency, like just to be a little fair here in this topic, I mean, all of us are well on record of being skeptical about a lot of this, though. You know, also, I've mined a lot of crypto to like experiment with it when I ran for Congress, uh, you know, way back. Back in 2017, I had the opinion that we needed to regulate it and integrate it uh, and allow people an option. I think what's changed is back in 2017, we were um, we had an idea about what crypto would be. Mm. Uh, like we saw the aspiration of what it could become. Today, we know what it is, and you know the truth is it's a it's a poor it, it, it's a poor poorly architected, if that's the right <laughs> word, a poorly designed uh, product that's riddled with a lot of flaws in the middleware that makes it particularly susceptible to fraud, attacks, um, and, and basically market manipulation because it's completely mm-hmm. unregulated. Mm-hmm. Like we, we know what it is today. Um, and it's not something I think I would suggest people uh, invest money in. So, but to be a little bit fair on this subject, you know, the entire market is down on everything. Like, look at your 401k. My stock portfolio is I terrible. I very right specifically now. don't look at my 401k, Brianna. <laughs> uh, well, it's. <laughs> 
Should it's I? gonna come back. Yeah, I, I yeah, think yeah. It will that's come the back, thing. But, the but we are entering a bear market, and mm-hmm. it's very likely we're going into a recession. You know, the Fed rate rate hike that's going to be announced very soon. Uh, it's going to be one of the strictest uh, uh, rate hikes since the '90s to kind of try to counter inflation. So, all of that is good news. It, it's it's necessary pain for us to get to a better place, but I'm not really sure the crypto is going to come back in the same way. I mean, how how do you feel? Yeah, I think to touch briefly on what you're saying about the 2017 mood around crypto, like I've been pretty critical of cryptocurrency since we started covering it on on this show. Um, But I think I'm at the point where like I I will admit that the core idea of something that is decentralized and decoupled from our current economies. I don't think that's necessarily bad. And I I do at some point believe that people had good intentions where I think I, I become very down on cryptocurrency is that our current economy or traditional economy is set up in such a way that it exploits it exploits people, it exploits everyone, uh, and it benefits a very wealthy few. And when I look at cryptocurrency, especially as it became this kind of hot new fad and drew closer to that, to our existing economy, you know, with IPOs going for Coinbase and everything, and you know, people essentially using it for money laundering and for scams, it provides a vector for people to continue that exploitation in, in, in a in a new way. And that's where I feel like even though the intentions may have been good, and even though, you know, it's maybe not worse <laughs> than the whole rest of uh, our, the way that capitalism is structured, it is a new vector for that exploitation to happen. And that's where I, I come down on like, well, then why do we even have this? Why even bother? Um, I think what we've shown is that when when there is an opportunity to make fast money uh, and to kind of exploit a system, we have never <laughs> been more capable of doing so as a society. So uh, that's my general feelings on it. Uh, your question, uh, I just forgot the question that you asked. I'm sorry. Can well, you well, repose? I want to I piggyback on something yeah. you were saying. And I, so I think there's a real sense or a real... There's a an optimistic culture around cryptocurrency that's going to like liberate us from mm. from these things, and yeah, you know, the li- libertarian types like let's put them aside. I think there are a lot of well-meaning people that are looking at the financial system. They're not really doctrinaire left or right. I think they're they're generally younger people that are are frankly looking at the economic situation they've been handed by. You know, baby boomers and, and corporatism and the the post uh, you know Jack Welsh mm. uh, uh, corporate uh, uh, attitude of America, and they're looking at that and they're correctly saying I can't win that game. Yeah, I'm going to go find a new game. So I have empathy for that, but like when you're talking about what are we replacing it with, I want to draw your attention to another uh, article in the New York Times that came out today uh, inside corporate uh, culture world war inside a corporate culture war stoked by a crypto CEO. Basically, the CEO of uh, Kraken, which is the second largest, uh, basically, uh, their, their cryptocurrency exchange, uh, what happened in their Slack is basically the CEO of the company uh, laughing along with uh, extremely sexist jokes. 
and uh, wondering in the Slack why you can't use the N-word and opening a channel uh, called Worse Than 4chan to uh, basically drop uh, dank memes there and do racism (laughs) and uh, telling trans employees at his company with 3,000 people that they should go by their uh, assigned at birth pronouns, right? This is the CEO of, of this company. Uh, you know, his message to his workers is, you know what? If you don't like how I do business, why don't you just quit? You got three mm-hmm. weeks. And so this is not like a random person on a board. This is the CEO of one of the largest institutions in cryptocurrency. So I really think you have to ask yourself, like, if cryptocurrency is supposed to replace capitalism, which both you and I agree is highly flawed in this incarnation, mm-hmm. if it's supposed to like fix that or, or supplant it, what are we supplanting that with? What are the systems that we're building? Because as best as I can tell, it's it's run by people that are, are hyper-capitalist and don't seem to believe in anything beyond that. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point because it, if if we are building a new system, if we are divesting of the system that we have, that I think, uh, as you pointed out, people who are very into crypto and want to see it succeed believe that that system is flawed and think we can do better. Um, if we are truly getting rid of that, shouldn't we build a system that is more egalitarian that does benefit everyone and it seems like a lot of the people who are attracted to becoming successful in cryptocurrency have a way more individualistic mindset a like i'm gonna get in while it's hot and get mine and if you come in late that's on you and that should not be the case um there's a real lack of empathy in yeah. the space, I think, and uh, frankly, not a lot of critical thinking about, uh, frankly, how humans can be terrible to each other mm-hmm. historically. And, yeah. you know, if they can't even regulate the obvious scams that are going on in their own space, there's there's no will to really explore that. I, I don't know what kind of system, um, you know, they can build for themselves. Um, yeah, I said on our podcast a while back, um, it was this year, that after watching line go up, uh, I was going to divest all my cryptocurrency and get completely out of that space. It was a lot of money. And, you know, I think I sold when it was around, it was above 40000 if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, I, I feel bad because I got out before this crash, but I, I don't think I'm the only person that has like concluded this is something that's rotten to the core mm-hmm. that is just a scam. I mean, I, I do think there's a bigger awareness of that. You came in as a person who was curious um, and yeah. maybe hopeful uh, yeah. while also being critical and you got out. And I imagine you're not also the only person who did so. Like there, there's people who have gotten out while the, while the getting was good because they wanted to financially profit. There's people who got out while the getting was fine because they didn't see it going in a good direction. Um, and you know, someone's going to be left holding the bag because <laughs> it's a classic yeah. pyramid scheme. It's just like that. Unfortunately. Yeah. This episode of Rocket 
is brought to you by Text Expander. When you work in a small team, every moment counts. You don't want to be wasting your time finding video conferencing details to send to a new client. You don't want to track down the same FAQs from the company website that people can't Google. Ah! These are the kinds of things that you want at your fingertips so that you can get your work done faster. And that is why you need Text Expander. With Text Expander, you can access what you type the most with just a few keystrokes, allowing you to work faster and eliminate repetition, letting you focus on what matters most to you. Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations streamline your team's work. All you have to do is type a short abbreviation, and then Text Expander will do the rest for you. You can build and collect your commonly used phrases, messages, URLs, and more right within Text Expander, and then create your chosen abbreviation, and those that text will be with you wherever you type. You can even customize those snippets by having them automatically add in dates, fill in the blank fields, timestamps, and more. This will make sure that you keep the personality and the communication that you send while also saving time. Text Expander is available on any device you use across any app that you use on Mac, Windows, Chrome, and iOS. Uh, personally, some of the things that I like spend the most time typing are... Uh, timestamps caught my eye because I spend a lot of time like putting in chapters in YouTube videos. Um, And I definitely, you know, like last week when I was sending out all of these RSVP emails for Polygonathon, you know, I would have this boilerplate text that was like, so here's what you're doing. Here's what time you need to be there. Here's who's going to be on your segment with you. Um, And that was something that, you know, at the time I was like typing out over and over and over again. Um, and you don't need to do that. You don't need to live like that. You can use Text Expander, like I said, on Mac, Windows, Chrome, iOS. <gasps> if t- repetitive typing is getting you down, you need Text Expander. Check out Text Expander today at textexpander.com/rocket, and you can get twenty percent off your first year. That is textexpander.com/rocket to say goodbye to repetitive typing. Thank you so much, Text Expander. Let us move on to talking about some cars. Brianna, how excited are you to be able to talk about cars on our I show? I love cars. I love cars. This is my favorite topic. Are we talking about like uh, Porsche Taycan or uh, what oh. are we talking about this week? Oh, you hope that we were going to talk about good cars? <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, there are other cars like Tesla makes good cars too, but yeah. you know, we're, what are we talking about? Uh, I briefly, I really do feel so bad because every so often you put a, a link to a topic, a news story about cars in our show notes, you know, chat, and I'm like, Ugh. and we never do it. <laughs> cars uh, but okay so unfortunately today i really do i really (laughs) do like david who blocked uh david over at base camp who blocked Mm -hmm. uh christina is like racing at le mans this week oh my god and and uh you know i i wanted to post that and didn't so there it is i want you to keep trying though i want you to never give up hope (laughs) especially because i am becoming car radicalized as you know i'm getting into (laughs) f1 and i i feel myself on the verge of getting into rally as well but you make me feel bad because i don't watch that stuff uh and i i bet i would really get addicted <laughs> to it if i did we we'll, we'll do a we'll do a little tete-a-tete later to figure out okay, where okay, where in okay. car culture we can find the center of our venn diagram 
meanwhile, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration has released a couple new reports highlighting crashes and fatalities in driver assist and autonomous vehicles. Unfortunately, uh, the NHTSA asked companies to document crashes uh, in vehicles that were using these technologies uh, within 30 seconds of impact. Uh, As noted by The Verge, the data is not perfect. It doesn't include just information, contextual information, like about the number of vehicles, these vehicles that are on the road, how far they were traveling. Um, And the crash data itself comes from a few different sources. Some of these vehicles rely on customer claims of an accident happening. Some have telemetrics. Uh, So, for example, Tesla leads the statistics, but it also sells more level two system equipped vehicles than other manufacturers. And it self reports using telemetry data. Uh, And level two means that a human is behind the wheel, but the car is handling its steering and speed, Um, though the human can retake control at any time. Uh, That being said, what this data does mean uh, is that we'll continue to get a better picture of uh, crashes and fatalities in autonomous vehicles as the NHTSA continues to release monthly reports. And all that being said, Tesla is also releasing its own questionable data about these crashes, uh, which fail to take into account where people are driving and how different driving environments compare uh, to each other. Uh, In some of the cases that the NHTSA is reviewing, uh, the data shows that Tesla cars were reverting control to the driver mere seconds before impact uh, in, you know, in a length of time that wasn't fast enough for the driver to react, which kind of raises questions about Tesla's intentions in implementing that technology. I think back to a story uh, from 2016 where a woman, I, I believe, sued saying that her um, her Tesla Model S had, like, the autopilot was engaged and she rammed into another car. And Tesla said, uh, I don't know, you, you, you've tapped on the brakes right before this accident, which disabled the <laughs> autopilot, which means it's actually your fault. Um, which I think is quite literally true, but also if I were in a vehicle and it seemed to not be slowing down as I were about to ram a car, I too would tap on the brakes. And if I were late because I had been assuming my car were under autopilot, that would just be unfortunate. It's kind of a catch twenty two uh, ethically that we've got there. So, uh, Brianna, what do you what do you think about all this data and the I guess state of um, driver assist and autonomous vehicles in 2022. Well, before before I, I give my views on this topic, I just want to say, I know for a fact a lot of Rocket listeners have Teslas. Um, I, I heard from you after our, our episode, a couple of, um, a few episodes back where we uh we basically interviewed the uh, the the writer behind uh, Ludacris, which was a biography of Tesla. So I want to say everything I'm about to say, and I assume Simone is about to say, but we don't like if you love your EV, we have no problem with that. I think both of us agree EVs are the future of automobiles. We don't want to troll you for your choice. We know you went out to buy a car and didn't necessarily get on board with a bunch of politics when you made that choice. So I I just want to put that out of the way before we say something that's really critical here. Um, That said, You know, regulators are really taking a very serious look at full self-drive technology. 
because it is there are a high number of crashes. Uh, how many was it according to this uh, this uh, article? Simone, it was two hundred and thirty eight just this year, if I remember correctly. Uh, let me double check that number, but I think you're you're in ballpark. It, it was it was it was in that ballpark. Um, you know that is a lot. Now some of this is because you know there are nearly a million uh, Teslas running in the United States. Uh, there are eight hundred and thirty. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry, the wider investigation is for about 800,000 cars, but uh, the vast majority of that is Tesla, including four models, you know, the the S, uh, the Y, uh, the Model 3, uh, and uh, of course the um, S, X, 3, and Y, right. Hmm. Um, so the reason the Tesla is so overpopulated in that sample is obviously because it is the best-selling car in that segment by far. And I think that, you know, there were a lot of Tesla skeptics on Twitter uh, that wanted to leap on this report today as like proof that, uh, you know, Tesla's FSD technology was uniquely unsafe. I, I don't think that's fair just because it's such a large amount of mm-hmm. the cohort. We need a lot more information to really be able to put that together. But what we do know is that there are very serious crashes happening with this kind of uh, automated driving technology. Um, and, you know, there are some people out there, uh, the the Times article that we linked to got into this. Yeah, there are some people out there that would say, you know, but is this safer than driving? You know, is this safer than X, Y, Z? Um, the truth is we don't know that. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, regulators, they when the, the Boeing, uh, what was it, 737 crashed, they didn't ask themselves, like, is this less safe than other planes. They just looked at the fact that it was crashing and investigated and trying to figure out what Mm. the design flaw was. Um, So I think that this is really Tesla catching up uh, long after the fact. If I could just say one more thing about this. Um, You know, Tesla has made decisions that the rest of the industry is simply not comfortable with. They brought it to market first because they've accepted a much higher level of risk than, say, Waymo or, you know, or Porsche or other competitors uh, will take. Their cars don't have LiDAR. They're entirely relying on these cheap optical sensors. Uh, They've cut their uh, relationships with some of the leading people in this field uh, in in an effort to bring it to market. And just overall, Tesla, when it comes to recalls and and safety, they've just kind of acted uh, like they're above it. You know, there's a a Mm -hmm. long history, Tesla, of them... um, like making customers sign uh, agreements for repairs when their Tesla is defective, saying they won't report it to regulators uh, because there could potentially be a recall. That's in uh, the book uh, that we we interviewed a few weeks ago. So, you know, I think what's going on here is it's the start of a bigger investigation. We can't make solid conclusions from it at this point, mm-hmm. and it would 
really be an overstatement to say this is um, you know, Tesla. It's a unique problem to Tesla, but I think we can really agree that it's long past time for regulators to look at this very skeptically. Yes, I think that that is very well said. And to touch briefly on what you said about like the imaging technology. Uh, so in the 16 incidents that the NHTSA is now investigating with Tesla's uh, some of those crashes were into emergency vehicles uh, that the New York Times reports had stopped and had their lights flashing. And that's something that, you know, a, a, a human driver might notice more readily than a, a, a poor, a shoddy camera, as it were. Um, but as you said, like he, humans are also capable of error. We don't know the how the data compares between human car crashes and uh, autonomous car crashes. Uh, I will say cars are very unsafe. We know this. Uh, there are car accidents have been way up over the last couple of years. And uh, it's when you really think about it. Yes, it is ridiculous that we get in these little metal boxes and careen down the highways at 60 miles an hour. Um, I say this is a person who very much enjoys driving, although I want us to invest <laughs> more in public transit. Anyway, my point being, I, I think we get into this, it, it becomes an interesting ethical conversation because we're having to ask ourselves, like, are we more comfortable at the end of the day when a human accidentally kills someone or when it is an error in a machine? And both of those things are, are horrible, but that's kind of what we're unpacking here and what I think makes me uncomfortable is exactly what you said, Brianna, is that it is when it is a machine that is at fault, the company who made that machine has a vested interest in ensuring that they do not take responsibility for it and ensuring that the product, you know, it, it, that that this doesn't come to people's attention um, and ensuring that they are allowed to continue operating and selling the product um, and having it out there. And I think we saw that kind of initially in Peloton's knee-jerk reaction to the yeah. treadmill accidents. Like, they initially foolishly, short-sightedly said, ooh, but that, not our problem, right? Not our fault. Um, and we're quickly <laughs> swapped on the nose with a newspaper. Um, I'm not saying that Tesla, like, wants to sweep <laughs> car crash fatalities under the rug. However, like, they want to continue operating and selling vehicles and... And they are a million dollar company that has a team of lawyers that can do, you know, damage control when accidents like this happen. I think that ultimately when when a company when a company's product is responsible for accidents and deaths, uh, it becomes more likely that nobody will take responsibility because the people who are defending themselves have a lot of money and a lot of corporate power to do so with. Um, as opposed to, you know, if, if John Doe has a car accident and God right. forbid someone is hurt, that person is going to be held responsible. That, that person is like clear, clearly the, the bad actor in this case. Um, and, and that's, I think where, where I get kind of uncomfortable with this because the, the power dynamics between the people who ultimately are the victims of this and the people who will be held or should be held responsible, aka the people who created the technology. Um the power dynamic is just so off. Yeah, I really agree with that. I, I do want to say though, 
you know, the rest of the industry does not always respond to these recalls the way that Tesla um, tends to get just today. Mm-hmm. The, uh, mm-hmm. the Ford uh, Mustang Mach-E uh, had part of it recalled for, you know, just a, a, a problem that is, is not that big a deal, right? Mm-hmm. It's serious. It needs to be addressed. It's not going to like sink the fortune of the, the Mach-E, right? Um, you know, Ford has the infrastructure to address this as do most car companies. You know, my own uh, Cayman GTS, my Porsche Cayman GTS, had a flaw where if you threw a cigarette out the uh, the side of it oh. while you were driving it, it could get sucked into the air and take <gasps> and set the entire car on fire. Oh my gosh. So I had to take it in to get a screen put in front of that. Uh, not a big deal. Not that I smoke, um, but, you know, it's like a safety issue that you need to do. Mm-hmm. And I do think that there is a unique um, culture of not wanting that kind of accountability at Tesla that I think yes. ultimately is not in uh, not um, in the interest of the safety of the people that drive it. And just one more thing I, I mm-hmm. want to say about this. What I can't get past, Simone, is you and I can have an academic argument about like if machines are ultimately safer, do we want more machines driving? Mm-hmm. We can have that discussion. What I can't get past is the lack of LIDAR in the Tesla FSD implementation. I understand it's a more expensive chip, but, you know, when my backup camera, it works pretty darn reliably and consistently with that additional information there. And with the combination of like an optical camera and LIDAR to tell me what I'm near in the front and the back, you know, I've never hit anything with my car. These two sensors in conjunction are pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, what I can't get on board with is when we have this technology and it's so obviously going to be helpful for a you know, full self-driving application that Tesla doesn't want to invest in uh, putting that there. This is the same company that, like made the first gen roadster people go back two, three, four times to get new parts put in. You're telling me you can't add a LIDAR suite to this? Like Tesla people will pay for this. Like just admit you got it wrong and add the technology to make it safer and better. I just, I don't get it. Yeah. And of course that's better like long-term for the company. And I, I think what, what you just said about uh, Tesla being a little bit unique in this regard and being resistant to uh, regulations being resistant to recalls and things like that. I feel like that's an attitude that comes from the top down. Um, and I also feel like it's, again, so short-sighted. That's not going to be good if we want the company to stick around. And, you know, I would like that. I'd be fine with that. Um, if people begin to mistrust the brand more than they do, and if they don't, you know, update with the like the latest technology that we know is going to be better for this autonomous driving, that being LIDAR, it, it's just it's so short sighted to me um, and I don't understand it. I don't either. Hey, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by LinkedIn. Time and place is everything, especially in marketing. But in today's age of a million messages per minute and not enough hours in a day, factually accurate. How do you really catch your target audience's attention? 
Fortunately, there is a simple way. LinkedIn can help you speak to the right people at the right time. With LinkedIn becoming number one in B2B display advertising in the U.S., you've got a great advantage. You can stand out against your competitors while nurturing customer relationships and growing your brand. LinkedIn delivers you quantity and quality. Its targeting tools allow you to reach your precise audience down to their job title company name, location, and more, which means that your ads are being seen by the people who matter. It's no wonder that companies of all sizes and sectors are using it. Take Main Street, a company who helps venture-backed startups claim tax credits. They increase their annual recurring revenue by 12 million buckaroos with LinkedIn's marketing solutions. You personally can scale your marketing and grow your business with LinkedIn advertising. Uh, As a thank you to their customers for helping them grow three times faster than the competition, LinkedIn is offering a $100 credit on your next campaign. You can go to linkedin.com slash rocket to claim said $100 credit. That is linkedin.com slash rocket. Our thanks to LinkedIn for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Da 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 da. <laughs> what? Gosh, do you want to continue talking about ethics? Yes, let's do it. Oh, let's sounds do it. fun. I've got just the story. Uh, so Blake Lemoyne, a Google engineer, has been placed on leave for violating Google's <laughs> confidentiality policy after claiming that a Google chatbot called Lambda is sentient. Uh, Lambda stands for Language Model for Dialogue Applications. And Lemoyne uh, came to believe that it was essentially a seven or eight-year-old child uh, and uh, gave uh, documents to a U.S. senator's office claiming that uh, he could prove that Google was engaging in religious discrimination because it was his religious beliefs that led to him believing that the chatbot had, you know, become sentient. This is a lot to take in. Google, for its part, says that ethicists and technologists uh, have reviewed the chatbots and agree that it, this unit, does not have a soul. Uh, they say that the chatbot is being anthropomorphized. Um, I've seen a lot of really interesting discussion around this, uh, like specifically around the way that we project onto onto AI that we communicate with. But Brianna, what are your initial reactions to to this story? Well, I, I guess before I answer that, I want to ask you, did you read the chat logs uh, for it, the ones that he, he disclosed to to journalists? I saw I saw some screenshots of them on Twitter. I mean, really shockingly good stuff. It's like good, this, yeah. This this chatbot is better at being human than the average person on Twitter, in my yeah. opinion. <laughs> Like, like really, really convincing stuff, like passes the Turing test very, very easily. Um, you know, that said, before, th- this is how I feel about it. I, I can't, I can't make a judgment about is this sentient or is it not? Because I don't think we've developed any kind of meaningful test to determine sentience uh, with AI, mm. because you would have to have someone be sentient to to show that. Um, so uh, I I think that because we don't really have a way to even define that with a with a with a, a 
uh, basically an AI uh, model, mm-hmm. I think we have to go on our, our gut feelings here. And honestly, like reading it, what I saw was a phenomenally impressive um you know, basically a, a replication of a, a conversation uh, with like the kind of large data sets you would expect Google to have access to. Yeah. So was it was it impressive? Hell yes. Very <laughs> impressive. Do I personally believe there's sentience there? No, I don't. But I do think AI people should start thinking about this so we can have a test when because this is going to keep coming up. How how did you feel about it? I thought it was fascinating. I, I feel pretty bad for for the guy who has been uh, suspended, not because he was suspended, but just because like this this feels like a, a, a an intense situation that he is maybe in over his head on. Uh, I know like there was discussion in the New York Times piece that I read on it where he's like Google like HR keeps telling me I should see a psychologist and I don't need to I'm fine um, I'm not saying that he does need to see a psychologist but like the, it, it it's clearly a very emotionally charged situation that he is in now with the company um, and with this bot that he believes is alive um, so I uh, feel bad <laughs> that it has come to this point uh, the discussions that I saw on it on Twitter, or some of the discussions, which I am trying to refine because I did not save this tweet when I initially saw it, um, but it was fascinating. Um, and what I saw people talking about was the uh, not just how we assume that something is alive, but the priorities that we project onto that thing. That being basically like he he was talking with the bot about like concepts of fear and like fear of lightning, uh, fear of death and things like that. And what I saw people interestingly being critical of was like, in these conversations, it's pretty clear that he's assuming that a sentient AI will have similar fears to a human surrounding, like being struck by lightning, um, the concept of death. And that's, if if someday and technologists now coming out in articles being like, no, we're a good 50 years off from this. Don't worry. That's a frighteningly short timeline uh, <laughs> are, are saying like, yep, we don't necessarily know that like a, a chatbot mirroring our own emotions surrounding these things that we fear does, is not an indication of sentience because it would if if this does if if this technology does have sentience it might end up having a completely different set of priorities to us it's not human even if it is sentient um so i don't know that's just an interesting conversation that i that i saw going around I, I which i wish i could really find fair. yeah <laughs> but it's based off of our it's based on like the actual model that was programmed for was from large data sets of our speech and our conversation and our our writing, right? Mm -hmm. So why would it not mirror those fears, right? Like it's not going to go off in its own direction. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. Um, do you, what do you, I guess, feel about the long-term, uh, uh, 
consequences <laughs> i guess of, of this like like you said this is clearly like very advanced technology even if it has not gained its own mind like it clearly is very good at sorting through large amounts of data at reflecting back to us what we perceive of as humanity um so i guess what do you feel like about the long-term implications of that well, I think people are clearly going to fall in love with with their Siri when it when it works, right? <laughs> when she yeah, can I work. Uh. I I don't mean that in like a sarcastic way. I mean yeah. humans uh, like look at the relationship we have with our pets, right? Our cats or our dogs. I mean, it's they we mirror our needs and our emotions onto them. And I mean, I, I want to be clear. I love my dogs. They bring a ton to my life. Mm-hmm. I'm not giving a shade at pet owners, but I am saying there's a certain amount of projection that happens with, yes. with pets, obviously. Um, and I think that when you have this kind of AI that is this sophisticated, you know, I think the feature of this is going to be Google bringing out these kinds of products to help loneliness and to to talk to you and to, I, I think people are going to get extremely, extremely attached to it because what I read was hyper, hyper convincing. So, um, I, I mean, yay, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I really can't judge because I've got really strong feelings about at least two of the best girls from Persona 5. So, you know, like, I, yeah. <laughs> I understand is what I'm saying. It's true. We we already project so much. I mean, that's one of the wonderful things about human beings, right? Is that we play a video game and we feel bad about hurting a digital character who has different, you know, needs from our character. Um, and that's wonderful uh, and adorable. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely like you see the possibility for people to become highly attached to these things if they are like widely deployed. We even saw it with uh, I'm going back to that sad, that saddest story about those um, robots whose name I have forgotten, but who were like given to elderly people as companions. And then the uh-huh. company shut off and the robots were no longer getting updates and eventually died. Do you remember oh, that story? Oh, you the Sony Ibo. That was so sad. Oh my God, it was so terrible. And there's that great documentary, I believe from the New York Times about um, this, com- the people in Japan who are like, trying to essentially hack their Ibo so that they can keep it running essentially uh, because the company no longer makes the parts for it. Um, so like this, this is already happening. People already get very attached to things that are, are part of their everyday lives. I don't necessarily have an opinion on, you know, where we're, where we're going on that, that I, I'm firmly committed to, but I, I do think it is a, it's a neat feature that we can so easily emphasize, em, empathize rather with, um, with things that we can project feelings and thoughts and personalities onto. Um, in this case, it just clearly was not helpful. And also it's just not correct, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, it's weird. I I do think I I don't want to psychoanalyze this this person, but you know some of the reports of him like putting out these you know posts on the the Google internal message board, like like you know uh, she's alive. 
<laughs> you know, and yeah. no one responding to it. And I mean, there's a there's a way to go about this, and and this is certainly not it. And I I I I really hope that they don't. I I hope that this person doesn't end up fired over this because I think he's acting out of uh, of love, right? I think he's acting out positive intent, right? Like from his perspective, for abundance of love, perhaps. Yeah. Yes, yes, but but he's he sees something. He thinks that we're not appreciating it. He's trying to alert people, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I understand there's a legal argument about, you know, NDA and all of that. But I think somebody that's going to stand up against a system and try to, like, fight for an underdog, I think that's somebody you you want at your company. So I, I really hope Google cuts this guy a break. Yeah. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Coda.io. Spending your workday jumping from one platform to another for every single task can really squash productivity. I know personally, I'm often jumping between uh, Premiere, between Slack, between uh, Asana, where I keep my notes. Asana? They pronounce it Asana. Did you know this? Anyway. uh, Yes. Yes. Everyone knew that. Everyone. Well, the thing is, anyway, we're not going down that road. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I just said it like that. I never do that. I always say Asana. Um, <laughs> the point is, it can be hard and pretty annoying to just be bopping back and forth all day. Probably bad for your concentration, too. And that's why you should check out Coda. Coda is the doc that brings it all together. Your valuable data, your plans, your objectives, your strategies, all in the same place and on the same page, even. If your best work is spread out across documents, spreadsheets, and a stack of workflow tools that you have to jump in and out of all day freaking long, you should bring it all together in a Coda doc. Integrate with the tools that you use every day and easily import from other platforms so that your Coda doc can be your single source of truth. Da-na-na-na. Everything is connected in Coda. Buttons can take action. Your tables can talk to each other. So an update in one place will update everywhere. Yes, uh, as a person who works with lots of different scripts and spreadsheets and things like that that are always kind of in states of flux. Gosh, that sounds nice. This saves you pasting the same thing in nine different places. There are templates for anything and everything. Product roadmaps, remote onboarding, goal trackers, meeting notes, you name it, Coda has it. With Coda, your team can operate on the same information quickly and efficiently. And right now, you can get started having your team all working together on the same page for free. For free. Head over to coda.io slash rocket. That is C-O-D-A dot I-O to get started for free. Coda.io slash rocket. Our thanks to Coda for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Woohoo! Brianna, do you want to chat briefly about like what you're up to this week? I would love to talk about what I'm up to this week. Oh my gosh. Uh, so we had the amazing premiere of the YouTube effect uh, last week. It was just very, very exciting. You know, Gail Ann Hurd uh, mm. is producing that film. Like the the woman that did some of the greatest movies of all time, like Aliens and Terminator. She's the producer on it. She was there. It was just, uh, it was really exciting. Um, this week, um, I accept a position 
position to uh, be a uh, regular guest on a Sirius XM uh, uh, radio show. Cool. I'm very excited about that. So I will give you all the name of that very soon, but I'm very excited about that. Yay. Oh, that's very exciting. It is. This week, uh, I am recovering from Polygonathon still. I will say... We How raised, did that go? I didn't oh my catch God. it. So freaking good. Uh, so we streamed yeah. for 24 hours this year, as opposed to the 56 that we streamed in 2020. Um, and over the course of that 24 hours, we raised over $70,000 for Trans Lifeline. Oh, good for you. Good for you. I'm I'm just so thrilled about it because I know we were all like, oh, we're streaming for so much less time and like we have less people than we did then. Um, but if you look at the numbers, like we did 120,000 over 56 hours. 70,000 over 24 is <laughs> it's much nicer for all of us and it's still like like in, in terms of earning like it, we I think we like out earned you know per hour uh which is just great um and Trans Lifeline is a wonderful organization so we're just super happy about how all that went down I really appreciate you doing that Simone it Thank is you. a it is a dark time for the trans community i we're not a political show so we don't talk about it but it is um it's 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 a it's a it's a scary time and you standing up like that that's good on you good on you thank you yeah like trans lifeline briefly for for listeners uh they're an organization that is run by trans people for trans people and one of the things they do is run a peer support hotline so anyone can call and just like wh- whether they're in crisis or whether they just like want to talk to another trans person, they can call. Uh, I will say like for our listener base, e- if you are not a trans person, uh, they have a friends and family line where like if you dial into the main line, you can transfer to the friends and family line and receive a call back. It's not immediate. Um, and you can just like ask questions. Uh, you can talk, you can learn. And I like personally, I think that that's such a great resource as well, because I, I think we all know that feeling of, of like talking to a loved one and wanting to understand them, but maybe not like being afraid that you're going to step in it. And then as the loved one, like afraid that you're not going to be understood, that you'll be rejected, that you will like be hurt emotionally. And so like for, for me, I, I think it's just a wonderful opportunity um, to, to like share with people potentially like here's an opportunity for you to learn so that you can better support your loved ones without putting the onus on them to tell you this is what I need from you. This is what I, how I would like you to treat me. Like you can, you can like get a little head, <laughs> do a little pre-homework uh, before you like talk to your loved ones and and figure out how, how best to support them and care for them. So I think that's really cool. Well, I mean, not to be too serious, but you know, I've probably spent at least 2000 hours volunteering on you know, LGBT suicide hotlines. Um, and I mean, it's, it's intense work. It's really, mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. intense work. And you're dealing with people that need resources and they just don't have it, whether it's people that are, um, you know, they came out to their parents and they're, they're homeless or they're, they're trying to get the strength to come out. You know, for trans people, uh, just trying to understand like a, a medical pathway to go, if mm-hmm. that's something you're interested in. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to learn. So, um, you know, it's, it's really, really important work. And a lot of the time these networks are, are informal and really run by people that, that 
are, are very under under resourced. So, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, $70,000, that's that's a lot of money and good, good on you for supporting them. Yay. Thank you. Uh, listeners, our campaign is going to be running through the end of the month. So I am putting the link in the show notes. Um, if you go to tiltify.com slash at polygon, that's the ampersand, not ampersand, no, that's the and sign, uh, at like an email at Gmail, you know, tiltify.com slash at polygon. You can find that campaign. It's polygonathon22. Um, so if you are interested in supporting that organization after hearing me talk about it, feel free to do that. Um, and if not, maybe feel free to talk about the organization and let other people know about it. Um, so that's super cool. Uh, hey, guess what? I've got one more quick, important thing to tell you. What? What is it? It's that this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Clean My Mac X. <gasps> oh, wow. Make sure that you can trust your Mac. The Mac is a crucial tool for work, education, and life. And MacPaw are on a mission to help machines help you, which is why they developed Clean My Mac X. It's an ideal decluttering app for Mac that can keep it in tip-top shape. What exactly does it do? Well, let me tell you, listener, Clean My Mac X includes 49 tools to find and delete invisible computer junk. It helps tune up your Mac so that it runs at its maximum speed. Plus, it organizes disk space, showing your large hidden folders. I know you've got them, meaning that you can free up tons of space so that your Mac will never run into issues with storage. It also fights Mac-specific malware and adware and protects your computer and prevents a Mac from cluttering, lagging, and slowing down. Clean My Mac X is notarized by Apple itself and is also available in the Mac App Store, so it has been checked for security, and it really stands out in its design. In 2021, Clean My Mac was honored with the Red Dot Award, UX Design Award, and has become a Webby nominee this very year. Get Clean My Mac X today with 5% off at macpaw.app slash rocket. That discount is only available for two weeks, by the way, so I hope you're caught up on our show. Go now to macpaw.app slash rocket for 5% off. That is M-A-C-P-A-W dot app slash rocket for 5% off. And as a final note, uh, despite the war in MacPaw's home country of Ukraine, the team have worked hard to make sure that there are no disruptions in the support and development of CleanMyMac X. The product is stable, safe, and secure. Our thanks to CleanMyMac X for their support of Rocket and all of Relay FM. I've I've used Clean My Mac. It's a really, really, really good program. Like something I've found is like a creative person is how many times have you created like a really large Photoshop composite or you've exported the same Final Cut uh, file twice somewhere on your computer mm-hmm. and it just disappears. Uh, this is so fantastic at at finding that. Like it it sorts it by like the biggest to smallest files and and gives you basically a list of them that you can manually delete or trust it. I I just think it's amazing, especially, you know, if you've got a Mac and you're trying to get, get by with that smaller, uh, you know, internal storage. I think this is, uh, it's definitely a good program to have. Heck yeah. Well, while we have you, Brianna, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me, uh, on, uh, my, my home, which is Twitter. That's the main (gasps) place I am. Amazing. And you can find me on Twitter and everywhere else at Doom Quasar. 
and at youtube.com slash polygon. And you can find our other co-host Christina at film underscore girl on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Rocket. I hope that you enjoyed it. And if you did, I hope that you leave us a five star review uh, in the podcast reviewing location of your choice. Unless you just like, I don't know, put five stars on Twitter and don't like say anything. I mean, that'd be interesting. Actually, you should do that. Maybe we could start a viral marketing thing. Just put five stars and then parentheses Rocket (laughs) on Twitter. Um, I'd like to see it. But more importantly, Apple Podcasts would be like the, the most people put there as an Apple Podcast. Uh, but all cool people give five stars. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode <laughs> of Rocket. It is terminated. Terminated. <laughs>